Right. How you guys doing today? Good? You ready for a great message? Come on. Awesome. I want to welcome everybody to the church today. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you that do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that is watching us right now online. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right, real quick before we get into our series called Refuge, uh, you're going to see these out and about in the lobby. Uh, this is our Kingdom Builders campaign that we're starting this week, and it really will go up until the end of the year. Uh, this is your opportunity to give a one-time special offering over your tithe to help build the kingdom of God here at Passionate Life Church. This goes to us reaching people for Jesus in our community, outside of our community. Uh, this specifically will go to uh, flyers that we send out. It'll go to uh, outreaches like our Easter and Christmas. And then, now we've got so much planned for this summer with movie nights and barbecues and stuff. And so this just helps. This will go a long way to helping us uh, reach more people for Jesus in our community here uh, in the city of Littleton. And so uh, I want to encourage you. I know uh, the end of the year is coming up, uh, you, you know, and some of you have a tax accountants and you need that write off. We want to be, uh, uh, we want to be on your heart and your mind. Okay. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not going to, this is the truth. Okay. And so uh, I want to encourage you grab one of these, pray over it, ask what you uh, should give and, and, and uh, give it before uh, the end of of the year. All right. Awesome. We are in a series called Refuge. This is actually the last week of our very, very long series called Refuge. We're in part 10 today, and we've been going on this journey through uh, with the children of God, the Israelites, right? And we've been talking about their process uh, from slavery into the wilderness, into the promised land. Uh, last week, we talked about the crossover, right? The, the, the time of reflection. And, and I mean, I know a lot of you just, man, that, that message really hit you last week and because and, it's important that we pause in the presence of God and reflect on what he's already done to help us move forward and that's what the children of Israel did um, and so we talked about that last week and so today part 10 uh, refuge today uh, my hope my hope in, in today's message is as we wrap up this series is that you would walk away this morning with hope you would walk away with courage today. You would walk away with strength, right? And, and, and that you would walk away today knowing that you are part of God's army, right? That, that's really what we've been going towards this, this whole series is that you, we would know that, that we're not a social club, but God is building an army here on earth and that you are a soldier in God's army and you matter uh, in this war, all right? And so the title of the message today is Refuge of Warfare. Refuge of Warfare. Come on, let's pray and we'll get into God's word today. Father, we thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, this is your moment. God, I thank you for every person that's in this room today and every person that's watching online right now that it is not a mistake, God, that you chose us, that we would be here in this moment. So God, I just bind rebuke Satan away from our hearts and our minds right now and everything that happened this week, God, we just cast it aside right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you give us focus on the word that you have for us today. God, I just pray that you would help me get out of the way, none of me and all of you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. So let me, just, let, let me just update 
you, just remind you, give you some context before we jump into it. And so uh, where we left off is they've crossed the Jordan River, right? Uh, the children of Israel has crossed the Jordan River. Joshua is now leading them. They set up a memorial, right? And then uh, this passage that we're going to read, before they go into Jericho, they have a party. Come on, somebody. They party before they go into war. I, I love that imagery. And so uh, there they are. They're camped outside of the city of Jericho. And so let's pick it up here in Joshua 5, 10 through 12. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. Just put that passage, leave that passage up for, for a moment. Like this was a huge moment for the Israelites, right? God had provided supernaturally for them every single day. They would go, they would go outside and there would be this supernatural honey bread, right, on the ground. They, they would pick it up and then quail would just fall from the sky and then they would eat quail and, and, and this honey bread called, called manna. And, and so, man... They are now crossing over there. They are now in the promised land. And, and, and we've talked about this the last couple, uh, couple weeks ago, is now the expectation is that God's people would live off the land, that they would work the land. Like, like this was such a monumental moment for them that no man appeared any longer. Like, like they had now matured into the people that God had called them to. No longer was he supernaturally providing for them, but now the expectation is that they would harvest themselves. They would produce crops themselves. And so this was a huge monumental moment for them. And then the second thing that I want us to see is that they celebrated the Passover. What was the Passover? The Passover was that well, the, uh, the most horrific plague uh, in Egypt that happened that God sent and he killed all the firstborn children unless they had the blood of the lamb on their doorway right? If you didn't have the blood of the lamb in the doorway, um, all, all your firstborn kids, uh, children were, were, were killed during that time by the death angel, right? And they were celebrating the blood of the lamb, okay? They were celebrating basically Jesus coming, right? The future of Jesus coming, that he would be the sacrificial lamb that would forgive our, our sins, uh, past, present, and future. And so here they are, they're celebrating the blood of the lamb. And I want you to understand that because it's going to come, uh, it, it's going to, we're going to see it here in a few minutes, okay? And so Joshua, they're, they're partying, they're eating, right? And, and so you can imagine, okay, you can imagine the weight that is on Joshua's shoulders in this moment, right? Like he's the leader now, right? Uh, Moses has passed away and, and he's anointed him the leader. And, and like this is the moment, right? They've been uh, waiting for for almost 500 years, right? So I don't know if you've ever led anything, if you've, if you've ever been a leader, you, there's weight, like, there's some weight on you to lead the group well, right? Um, and, and so you can imagine like, 500 years of promises they've been waiting for. Now it's, Joshua feels like, man, it's up to me. Okay, now, now I got to go lead him. And so we see Joshua break away from the group, right? He's breaking away at the group, and, and, and he's looking at the city of Jericho, right? He's looking at this city of Jericho, and he's probably thinking, how are we going to attack this city, right? I mean, this was, this was an impossible task, 
for the children of Israel and Joshua. If you can go ahead and put up the picture, I want, us to, I want you to see it. I, I, visuals help me, um, and, and so I want you to see this. This is probably what ancient Jericho looked like. And so if you see, that there's not just one wall, but there's two walls, right? Like, and, and, and to think about this, that the children of Israel, they had, they had arrows, okay? They had some arrows. They had some sharp sticks. I'm sure they had some spears, right? right? But that's not going to get it done in, in, in this case, right? That's not going to get it done. They didn't have batting rams. They didn't have cannons. They didn't have catapults, right? Like, like that, that was, and so this is what Joshua was looking at. He's looking at an impossible task. And, and um, historians tell us that Jericho, uh, because it was harvest season, had tons of food already stored up, and they could have lasted in there for probably almost two years, okay? And, and the reason why many cities didn't attack a city like this is because even if they did have the weapons to destroy those walls and eventually get in, they would have taken massive casualties. I mean, massive casualties, because they could have just sat up on the wall and picked them off, right? And so a lot of, uh, you know, places, a lot of, uh, countries or, or, or tribes, they didn't want to attack Jericho because they knew, one, it was going to be really difficult. Two, uh, they were going to suffer great loss. And so here's Joshua, right? Here's Joshua like, man, how are we going to do this? He's, he's looking at this city. He's looking at something that is impossible. He's looking at a problem that is really, really huge. Let's continue with the story. Joshua 5.13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Like, like this is, like, like he, he, man standing there with, with a sword pointed at him. Like, this is, it's pretty hostile, right? Like, it's pretty hostile. And, and then so Joshua went up to him and demanded, like, like, look at the growth of Joshua here. Like, you want to talk about someone who's broken through the spirit of fear, right? Like, like this is, we're, we're seeing a different guy here, right? We're seeing a different guy here. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. So what are we seeing here? What are we seeing here? Um, most scholars, some, not all, but most scholars will tell you that this is what's called a Christophany, Okay, and what a Christophany is, is when we literally see Jesus in the Old Testament. Okay, and this is what I believe. Uh, I believe that this is Jesus uh, standing face to face with Joshua, okay, ready to lead God's people into the promise land, okay? And, and we see this in the book of Revelation. We see when Jesus comes back, he's riding a horse. He's got a tattoo on his leg that says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's leading God's army. But I want to show you in a couple other scriptures here. Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Jesus is a warrior. And because Jesus is a warrior, we are warriors, we need to start seeing ourselves as soldiers. We need to start seeing ourselves as warriors in the kingdom of God. Like, Pastor, I don't know if I'm a warrior. No, you are a warrior. If you have Jesus living inside of you, you are a warrior. And so this moment, this moment with Joshua and Jesus, right? Um, it was the Lord is the commander, not just of God's heavenly army, 
but also of the Israelites, okay? And, and that's what Jesus in this moment is doing with Joshua. He's like, look, Joshua, it, I, I'm just not helping you lead your people. No, 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 no. I'm bringing some people with me too. Like, like I roll deep, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I'm not just coming by myself. And I want you to see this in 2 Kings 6, 13 through 15. And this is a story that shows the spiritual battle that's going on and how we're not alone. And whatever we're going through today, whatever battle you're struggling with, you are not alone. And this is a story between Elijah and, and his servant. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded. They wanted, to, they wanted to catch Elisha because he was really screwing up a lot of their plans. So I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elijah's at Dothan. So one night the king of Aramon sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. Let's continue. Don't be afraid, Elijah told him. Elijah doesn't even have to go outside. He says, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. When we have that imagery in our head, our problems don't look so big, do they? Jesus says this in Matthew 26, 52 through 53. He says, put away your sword. And he's talking to Peter because Peter just chopped off someone's ear. Jesus told him, those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly, right? And, and, and so he's like, man, I, at my deployment, I have legions. I have thousands of angels. Guys, we are not alone. There is way more for us than there are against us. And this is what, man, Jesus, right, he's standing there, and, and I'm going to show you uh, in, in a few minutes why I believe that this is Jesus and not just some angel, okay? And, man, there are so much more for us than against us, okay? And so uh, we're going to go through four, I got four points today about Joshua's response to preparation for warfare, Okay, because th there's a preparation before we, we step into the war, right? There, there's a preparation. We've talked about this, that we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against principal principalities and powers of the air. But we need to prepare ourselves. There's a way that, that Jesus in this moment is preparing Joshua and wants to prepare us for warfare. So let's continue. Joshua 5, 14. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And so this is, for me, like this is the proof that this isn't just an angel, but this is literally Jesus, uh, you know, standing before Joshua because if it was an angel, the angel would have said, no, 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 don't you worship me, get up. You know, I, I'm not the one to be worshiped, but because it's Jesus, he's like, I'll let you worship me, right? And that's point number one. If we want to prepare for warfare, we need to worship. Instead of worrying, we need to worship first. 
And that, that's how he's preparing Joshua to go to warfare is worshiping. Some of you, instead of listening to the news in the morning before you go to work or before you start your day or, or sports radio or whatever, you need to turn on some worship music and realize that you're stepping into the war, a war for the day, and you need to prepare yourself by worshiping. That's what he does in that moment. It's an act of worship and reverence to God. Number two, point number two is submitting to God's plan, right? Because he's like, okay, he gets on his face. It's an act of worship. It's an act of reverence. And then he says to, to Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'm here. Whatever you want me to do, I'm submitted to you. And, and this is the very thing, this is the very thing, and we're not, we're we're not going to look at it in Scripture, but this is the very thing that, that destroyed the walls of Jericho, okay? Uh, he asked him to walk around the walls, right? He, he didn't ask him to, to sharpen sticks or, or get the arrows ready and light them on fire. No, no, no. He said, walk around the walls, okay? So they submitted to the plan, and then they worshiped God at the end, and that's what made the walls come tumbling down. It was the angels that, that they probably could not see in that moment that destroyed the walls. And it was their worship and their submission of God's plan that made the walls come tumbling down, that helped them overcome an impossible obstacle. Many times when we are going through difficulties, we think that this is my problem, right? And Joshua thought that this was his war, right? Think, think just, just take a moment, okay, just take a moment. Think about the biggest problem, the biggest issue that you have in your life. Just, just think about it right now. The biggest thing, the biggest thing you're struggling with, the biggest issue right now that is in your life, that is not your problem. That's not your problem. It's God's problem. And, and so many of us, we, we're like, we, we separate God. We have God over here, and then we have our problems over here. And we're like, God, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm strong enough. I'll just, I'll just, you know, push through it. I'll persevere. And we never let God into our problems. And we wonder why we're still struggling with the same thing for years. It's because we see the issues and the problems we have as my problem, right? If Joshua would have said, this is my war, they would have lost. They would have never, they would have, the walls would have never came down. But because he worships and submits in this moment, it becomes God's war and not his war. And that's why they're victorious. Guys, if we, we want to overcome the things that are in our lives, we need to include God in. It is not your problem. It is God's problem. It is not your battle. It is God's battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. And our main, our main job is just to invite God in and submit to his plan and worship in the process, right? That's what Joshua does in this moment. He realizes, oh, wait a minute, this is not my war. This is God's war. So I'm just going to worship through this warfare. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship. I'm not going to get caught up in all the details of, of maybe my plan. And maybe I think my plan is better than God's plan because God's plan really doesn't make sense. Okay. We're going to walk around the walls and then yell. Okay. Like 
Seriously? Okay, what? And maybe God's calling you to do something that, that doesn't make sense in your life. But, man, we, we've got to submit to God's plan. And we've got to truly believe that God's plan is better than our plan. We have to understand that the war that we're in today is not our war, but it's God's. And he's invited us in to fight alongside of him. Point number three today, point number three, the third thing that God is asking Joshua to do is to be still. To be still. And I can imagine that he's remembering the words of Moses in, the, in this moment with, with him and the commander of the Lord's army. Exodus 14, 13, Moses said this, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Be still. In 2015, Microsoft did a study on the human attention span. And they discovered that a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. And at the time, humans had an attention span of eight seconds. That was six years ago. <laughs> and so what they found is, is human attention span is eroding about 77% a year. And so we're, we're probably down to about two or three seconds today, okay? We're literally getting dominated by goldfish double, right? Like goldfish are destroying us when it comes to attention span. And so this, this commandment to be still, like you just you get nervous, right? Like, how long? Like, <laughs> how long do I wait? Should I set a timer? Or? There's that uh, Disney movie called Up, and there's that dog, Doug. He's got that thing where you can hear him talk, right? And he's having a conversation. And then he's always distracted by squirrels, right? He's like, squirrel, right? I guess that's us, right? We're Doug, okay? Like, we, we get distracted by everything. And so this, man, this, for American culture to just be still and watch God work in our life, like, this is a challenge, this is a big challenge. And, and what usually happens, and this is why God says, be still, submit to my plan, let me go before you. Because when we're not still and we're not patient and we don't wait for God to go before us, we screw things up. We mess things up when we think like, okay, God, you're taking too long. Let me just help you out, right? The reason why he wants us to be still is because he's going before us. He, I mean, think about if some of the Israelites ran back into the Red Sea, right? No, oh, don't worry, Moses. I'll take care of it. I'll, we'll get them. No, they would have died with the Egyptians when, when God closed down the, the, the Red Sea, right? And, and man, this, this, this word to just be still, to watch let God go before us. And that's what Jesus is telling Joshua in this moment. Let me go before you. 
Let me go before you. Let me prepare. That's why it took seven days. God was preparing something. He had, they had no idea what God was preparing, but he was preparing something. And many times in our life, God is going before us. He's got a great hope and a future and a purpose and a plan for our lives. But many times we screw it up or we screw the timing up because we're impatient. Squirrel! But God, there's a squirrel. Like, there's this door was open and so I... Be still. Let God go before us. Watch him move. Let's be a refuge of warfare and war with God instead of trying to separately war by ourselves. And we wonder why we're worn out and we're tired. It's because we're, we're, we're lifting a burden that we're not supposed to lift. Let's continue with the story here. Joshua 5, 15. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. So in the armor of God, the sandals represent peace. And he's saying, you, you need to take your sandals off because we're putting peace aside and we're going to war. And what is so important in this moment that I think we miss is that acknowledging, point number four, acknowledging that we are fighting in a war over holiness. And, and he's telling Joshua that this is a war over holiness, that this is my land, this is my land that I'm going to give you, I'm going to war with you, but this land is holy. And, and we, we look at some of the stories in the Old Testament, and especially this one, where God commands them to burn it all down, kill everybody, right? And we're just like, oh, really? It's because they were unholy people. And God's like, man, we, this land needs to be holy. And so we need to get rid of what is unholy, and I need to start over. And we have to realize that we are in a fight for holiness. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And so holiness is not an option, whether or not we want to live a holy life or not. And so here's, here's the deal, okay? And I could probably preach a four-part series on holiness, and I probably will talk about holiness in, in greater detail in, in the next couple months, because I really feel like this is strongly on my heart to talk about holiness. And... and so that word is really intimidating, right? Like, holy, oh my. Does that mean I need to be perfect and, and right? Like, it's, ooh, holy. Well, the opposite of holy, okay, is common, uh, vulgar, and profane. That's the opposite of holiness, okay? And I think we can pick out places everywhere in our current culture where they've taken sacred things and they've made it common, like sexuality, Right? They're taking something that's sacred, marriage, and they've made it common, 
right? They, everything is vulgar and profane now. Like, ev- like, I remember growing up on TV, you couldn't even hear swear words, right, on TV. Now it's everywhere. Like, there's profane and, and just vulgar language, and everything's vulgar, and it's in your face. It's everywhere. Like, like that's what Satan does. He pollutes what is supposed to be holy and sacred. And listen, Jesus makes us holy, okay? You don't make yourself holy by by your works, okay? It's by God's grace that we can be counted as holy. Jesus makes us holy. And so it's, it's not up to us, right, to declare that we're holy, but it's the Holy Spirit that, that is living in us that we can live holy. But it is our job, okay? It is our job to protect our hearts and our ears and our eyes from what we watch and hear and do. We have to literally protect us. This is where the warfare comes in. We have to protect our marriage from being unholy. We have to protect our, protect our family from being unholy because Satan has an, man, this is what he's, he has a, a full out assault on holiness. This is what we feel when we just, man, we watch something and, and we see something in the news or whatever it is and we just, we, we, it makes us feel sick, right? It just makes us feel sick. Oh, why, why do we feel sick? It's because it's an assault on God's holiness. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12, and this is, Paul's instruction to his spiritual son. He says this, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. Listen, you, church, you are men and women of God. Amen? Amen. So run from all of these evil things. So, so <laughs> Timothy, when, when you experience evil things, when, when you experience profane and vulgarity, run. Don't just walk. Don't just stay there for a little bit so you don't offend him. No, no, no. You turn and you run from the unholy thing that is about to happen. You run from it. You don't hang out with it. You don't talk to it on the phone. You, you don't invite it over. You, you run from it. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So he shows us, man, how, how, are, how do we pursue holiness? We pursue it by, by living a faithful life with love and perseverance and gentleness, being gentle to one another. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. We are in a fight for holiness. And we have to be aware of this, that this is the war that we're in. This is the war that we're in. Someone told me this story uh, a couple weeks ago. And it happened in their, here locally in one of our schools here uh, in their second grade class. And thank God the teacher called the parent to let them know what was about to happen that day. And what was about to happen that day is they were going to have some high schoolers come in that were confused with their sexuality and read a book to second graders called The Prince in the Night. Because I'm not making this up, okay? Happened a couple, couple weeks ago here locally where we live. And this whole book is about the prince not finding his true love, his mate, 
And none of the girls matched him. And then he met the knight. And all of a sudden, he got all the butterflies and they kissed. And the end of the book has them riding off together happily ever after. Because this is a book that's being read to our second graders. That should make you sick. Like, like you should, that should tick you off. I don't care who you are. That, that, that this is allowed in our public school system to indoctrinate our kids, our seven-year-olds. And, and here's what ticks me off. I can't, I'm not allowed in to read a Bible story to the second graders. That's called hypocrisy. But this is the fight that we're in, okay? Listen, parents, you need to pay attention to what the schools, especially if your kids are in a public school, you need to pay attention to what your kids are learning. No longer can you just send Johnny to school and be like, I'll, I'll pick you up later. No, no, no. You have to pay attention. Man, and this is happening in, in, in our, our college ranks. For, man, there's just an indoctrination to, to, to atheism from, from college and, and high school. 1963 is when the Bible was taken out of school, and we've seen just a decline in everything since we've taken God out of the school. Guys, this is our fight. This is what God has called us into. That we would pray and seek God. That God would protect our children and our family. But that we would, man, some of you, you need to get on the board of some of these schools. Like, like that's just the answer, okay? Or the other answer is send them to Christian school or, or homeschool your kids. But not everybody can do that. Not everybody can afford that. Not everybody has the sanity to homeschool their kids. Come on, somebody. So we got to pay attention. We got to pay attention to what we're watching, what our kids are watching. What we got to pay attention because Satan has an all-out assault on holiness. He does not want this next generation to understand holiness, to understand purity, to understand devotion, and, and to keeping certain things sacred. Like God's house is, is sacred. This is a holy place. Moses says this. We're going to end with this passage here. Moses says this to the people in Leviticus 19.2. Okay? I love this. He says, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy. For I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Come on. We need to declare, declare that today. I am holy. Come on. Let's do it together here right now on the count of three. One, two, three. I am holy. We are holy, not out of our own works because of the work that Jesus did on the cross already. He said it is finished. We can be called holy because God is holy, because Jesus is holy. Guys, we are in a battle. We are in a war. And it's, listen, it starts on our knees. It starts praying. It starts praying over our family, over our kids, over our grandkids. Guys, this isn't just a fight for our generation. It's for all the generations to come. 
And, and I think because we get, we get so, we can get caught up in, in selfishness and, and self-focus on today and tomorrow's problems and issues. Guys, it, it, this is about the next five generations. This is our moment to fight and stand up for holiness. And yes, there, there's going to be kickback because our culture is not, say, nothing's sacred. Everything's common. Everything's vulgar and profane. Listen, some of you students, like you get picked on because you won't swear. When I was a kid, I, I would get picked on in school because I would not swear. Like, I know the pressure that, that you're under, okay? I understand. But God is the one that is going to, he's, his favor is going to be on you when you are obedient to him, when you submit to him, when you stand up for something that is holy, something different. God blesses that. He honors that. And some of us say, man, we need to stand up in our workplaces. We need to stand up in our schools and say, man, I'm going to be holy because God is holy. I don't care if I'm the only one. And some of you might be the only one. But I'm telling you, you're not alone. I want you to think about the angels in heaven that are with you. The thousands of angels in heaven that are applauding you. And you say, you know what, I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to participate in that. Angels in heaven are like, let's go. Come on. Let's go. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be part of that. I'm going to separate myself. Guys, we are in a war. And it's a holy war. For our hearts and our minds and our thoughts. And Satan has started the assault younger and younger and younger. And we have to just be aware of what our kids are watching, what they're hearing. We have to protect them. Listen, you, we are not alone in this battle. We are not alone in this fight. And it seems like that, everything that's happening in, in, in our government and in, in just society and social media and everything that's happening. Listen, God is going before us. If we will just be still, we submit to God, we worship, we pray, be still. And God, the, this is not our battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. First things first, maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. And I need to make that decision today. Or maybe you've drifted and, and you've drifted from the truth and, and you've drifted from the things of God, and you, today you just need to make a recommitment to holiness, a recommitment to following Jesus with your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, just slip up a hand today. I just want to pray with you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yep, just slip it up, and you can just put it down. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask this morning that we would all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. Heaven is rejoicing.